finished watching that. But actually, I, I want to make a correction for something that I might have um, said wrong a couple episodes ago that I, I've just realized might be a, a stain on my reputation or stain on my credibility or something. Uh-oh. Um, no, so we um, we were talking about Frank Frank Miller's work a while ago. Yeah. Like Sin City and shit like that. And I think I might have said... Um, I don't even remember if I said it, but I think I might have related Frank Miller to Watchmen comics mm-hmm. um, as the author is the whatever the creator of it, but it's not Frank Miller. It's um, yeah, it's um, could have fooled me. What the fuck's his name? Fucking Alan Moore. Oh right. Yeah, and I keep getting Alan Moore and Frank Miller mixed up because I just like their work a lot, and they kind of have a um some similar uh writing sensibilities just in in the like nature of their work being like really dark writing styles uh but yeah i just wanted to kind of correct that earlier on because i don't want anybody to think like frank miller is writing all these things when it's actually alan moore well in that case welcome to mythic morons where we constantly get information wrong it seems yeah so, but we're past our audio problems so at least we're getting progress past our audio problems so far knock on wood um, I'm Chaney. But Ch- Chaney, I am Sid Grover, and uh, I don't know why I introduced my full name there. That's weird. Uh, Chaney, what have you been saying this week? How have you been? Um, bored, extremely bored. I haven't really watched a lot of TV. I haven't really watched a lot of movies. But what I did do is, for some reason, um, like a while back ago, I got really bored at school. So I downloaded a completely legal program to my computer that allows me to legally play Pokemon games and other DS games <laughs> on my computer, which is totally not an emulator. And um, I was going to say, make sure make sure you're not getting one of those. Yeah. No, of course not. Why would I ever get something that allows me to illegally play games that I should any, be paying Yeah, any for? game you want from your childhood, pretty mm-hmm. much. But how's that been going? Well, I finished the file I set up. I got stuck, and then I kind of became unmotivated. Then the exams hit, and, you know, as it do, I get busy. So I bit the bullet. I just grinded because that's all, you know, a lot of what these Pokemon games are is grinding for me, especially because I've got this weird um, OCD where I can't let my Pokemon be underleveled. And they have to match the next gym leader's strongest Pokemon. But I can't have one Pokemon that's overleveled, so I need to completely match everything. So majority of my time in those games is actually just grinding, doing pointless grinding because yeah, I have to do stuff like that. So luckily on this totally legal way to play this game, um, there's a speed up thing. So it allows me to like play at four times speed or whatever. And it's just, it just cuts down so much. Oh, so you're not even reading, are you not even reading the dialogue? No, no, like God, whatever's no. Happening? God, no, God, no, <laughs> it's just, Got you. you know how it is in those old games where you just keep pressing A, keep pressing A, get through it, get through oh, it, yeah. get through it. Yeah, it's that, but like way more satisfying. And now I'm finding that the speed I'm playing at is even too slow. So, oh, but that's, um, so I finished, um, I think I'm going to do, going to go through the this this the DS era of Pokemon games because the Game Boy era is um, you know the original red and green crystal and then you had um, gold silver and then you had ruby 
Sapphire Emerald. Then mm-hmm. DS came out, and you had Diamond, Pearl, Platinum, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Black and White, and then Black and White Two. I only ever played Pearl and Platinum as a kid. Um, so that's the one I played with first was Platinum, which is kind of it's the same as Diamond and Pearl, except it's the director's cut. I like to call it. Same thing as Emerald with Ruby and Sapphire. The the third installment within the same Pokemon region is the director's cut. Literally, like the director would remake or re sort of balance the games in the way that he would have he had initially intended, if not for the crunch that is so prevalent within the gaming industry. So played through Platinum. Um still like it has the reputation of being like the most difficult and it still is super difficult. Like there's many points within the playthrough that I just got absolutely stuck. And it's even more prevalent now because I'm playing through Soul Silver, which is the silver remake from the 90s. And like I've just been cruising. Like there's been no challenge whatsoever. And um I don't know, I just really you know, echoes back to like that was my like Platinum and Pearl were my first like Pokemon experiences and they were the most challenging games they had, which was really something because then I look at the games today and they're just like and yeah, Pokemon's always been for kids, but like you know, it's just so brain dead now compared to how it used to be. Um I haven't touched a Pokemon game since the Game Boy era. And so yeah, thanks for uh listening off this game so I think I I never bought a game, but I remember really distinctly boring red, mm-hmm. and that the cartridge for red I think was like the um, they always had like the special cartridges, mm-hmm. so I, I thought that was cool. Um, but I don't remember much of the gameplay. I just remember, um, they were all kind of very similar in in the gameplay style. Yeah. But would you say like the like the the third one in the trilogy? I guess was that like a remaster of everything? Because I don't think I played those ones. Like you're playing the same game again. Is that what you're saying? You play the same, so, like, you obviously, you have, like, Ruby and Sapphire and then Diamond and Pearl, and each of those, like, are the same game, except it's just small differences, like, certain Pokemon are available in either version, and then, you know, it's the difference between, like, the legendaries on the cover, so whatever legendaries mm-hmm. on the cover, that's the one you go after in their respective taint games, so Dialga for Diamond and Palkia for Pearl, um... But in each of those games, there's also like the third deity. So the the usually there's a trio where you have the two main ones from the main games, and then a mysterious one that you find out while playing the game, yeah. which was actually really cool because I was the like it was in grade four, and I'd been playing Pearl, and everyone already knew about um, Palkia and Dialga, but I was the first person in my school to catch the third one, to find out where it was and to catch it. And then show So you were it. ahead of the game a little oh, yeah. bit there. I it was <laughs> crazy. So that third legendary is the one they base off the next game. Except you yeah. play through it again, except it's just a little more refined. And yeah, ex- I might have to give those a, a revisit. Those uh that was a good uh part of my childhood I think I just didn't appreciate as much for when they were a thing. Because now it's not the same thing. Like they're not making those streamlined like that same series of games, are they? They still are. So the latest one that came out was Sword and Shield, except they weren't really released to critical acclaim. Mm. Um, I also played Sun and Moon. I ended up getting like a 2DS just to play Sun and Moon. 
um, which is the one after X and Y. They have been continuously making them. Um, Sun and Moon was like laughably easy, super short. There's like no end game. Like usually like the things that stuck out with Emerald and then especially Platinum um, is after you beat the Elite Four, which is the final boss, there's like a plethora of other shit to do after in terms of like collecting mons and um, the battle frontier and you know in platinum especially like you can go back and you can um, fight every single gym leader over again except this time they have like a really buffed team with like you know and then there's plenty of other legendaries to catch and whatnot so um, the newer games just don't have that end game and sword and shield like didn't even have every single pokemon which was insane for many people to not have every single Pokemon within the game available. It's not like mm. in these games you could catch every single Pokemon, <laughs> but there were ways of transferring your old Pokemon into the new games, right? So some people had been accumulating collections of Pokemon that they've had since the very beginning and have traded them up all the way through the games. And then all of a sudden that's not available to them. And then like these Pokemon that they've had for... 20 some odd yeah, years that they've just been playing yeah that there should be some continuation i feel too yeah so it's, it would make the grind worth it and and just the fact of like continuing your uh like stats or continuing your collection of what you've had in previous games mm-hmm. that would make sense for this generation i think of games and of the pokemon series yeah so it's um it's been sort of troubled it's the the community's been divided much like a lot of legacy communities we as we we've seen um that seems to be a trend nowadays yeah it's like if you don't like the new games then you're just someone who's stuck in the past and a hater but you know if you do like the new games then you're just consuming product and following the new brand blindly it's just these fucking narratives that get pushed out through each community which has been i had to leave the halo subreddit it was fucking (laughs) with it was so bad dude i i couldn't stand it anymore well, the last couple of days on my, like, any feed, YouTube or uh, Twitter or whatever, has just been Halo. Just <clears throat> the amount I've been searching on it. Like, I've never looked into Halo as much as I have in the past month, like, in my whole life. And so everything is Halo, Halo, Halo everywhere. So um, I'm, I've been seeing people aren't too happy within the Halo community, within, like, the core fan group, I think. And it seems to be uh, mostly the graphics thing that is pissing people off, I think. Um, and then and a lot I, of, I think yeah. we talked a lot of people are dumb. It, but a lot of people are pissed like Halo was never about the graphics it was always about the gameplay but it's like it's not like they did themselves any favors by creating a new engine which was supposed to be the most quote-unquote powerful engine within the gaming community within the gaming industry and then um, this being the flagship title of the Xbox one uh, sorry the Xbox Series X which is where one of their taglines is everything looks better on Xbox Series X. It's like, does it though? Well, we're, yeah, it, um, where's that proof at? I've explored as to why it may be having some graphical issues. Um, but, and it's still concerning me. Um, one, well, they themselves are saying that it's still a far ways off, right? Like they're in an alpha build and stuff. Oh God, it's soon, man. It's coming out in December. That's like three, <laughs> four months away. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, they they got to catch up, right? Or and, they just got a crunch time. And people were blindly claiming that this build was from January or from months prior, with no sources. 
right? And that just got spread. It was like, oh, guys, don't worry. It's um, three, four months old. That means they'd have eight months to work on it. It's like, well, turns out it was only from several weeks ago, which is about a month and a half, two months, mm-hmm. right? Big fucking difference. Well, that's what even I was saying is that usually at this point when a game is shown to the public, right, gameplay-wise, it's almost at a point of like not disbelief of this is what we're going to get, but they show a little bit more um, to get you hyped up, like in terms of graphics and performance and all that. I remember like Ghost of Tsushima is out now and we're like, this is almost a sequel to our last episode because we're talking about the same games, but the trailer for that when it came out was far different from the game that we have now. And like, that's just like, I think developers do that. They'll kind of hype everything up to like a maximum setting in the trailers and it's almost like it's like a different world uh that they show you in the trailers like this game it it, it's never the case of what it's going to be so what has me concerned almost is like the trailer didn't do anything to that level even to give any sort of high expectation it it almost said okay like use your imagination a little bit to think a couple months down the line this should look better but we don't have the proof to give that to you just yet so That's a bit of cause for concern to anybody who's interested in it, you know? Yeah. So the developers have put out a blog post stating, like, yeah. um, part of the decision to make it a more simplistic art style, which I agree with. I was tired of 4 and 5's messy, messy, overcomplicated art style. Um, that sort of gives off the impression that the textures are simple and plastic looking. When, boy, if you actually, like, Look at, for example, um, the brute they showed at the end of the gameplay demo. The guy that gave that um, Viking like yeah, the one that there's all the there's all the memes about now. No, yeah, no, not Craig, not Craig. Um, <laughs> okay, he has a name. Yeah, Craig, the one the one that they give that one paused frame and it's just an expressionless monkey. But um, the one at the end of the trailer where they gave that big speech. Um, yeah, the big old alien guy. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him. Uh, if you actually, like, pause, and yeah, like, the lighting's off, but if you actually pause and zoom in, you can see, like, pores in the skin and tiny hairs, and it's like, the detail mm-hmm. is there. The thing that is limiting the visuals of this game is the lighting engine, because it yeah. does have a day-night cycle. I've heard the same thing, too, and often that's the problem with games. I think a good lighting engine often takes away a lot of problems or not takes away problems but it can it's a night and day difference not to be you know too literal about that but they did also say something that something about that night and day cycle like okay the colors did look a little flat or something because there was uh clouded or something like okay well you know what this is something you had to prepare to show people like why didn't you take the time to show out the best thing with the best lighting and you know like just it doesn't make sense to me. It's almost like they're coming up with excuses. Right. To, and that's why people charts. are frustrated. It's not like I'm blindly yeah. hating. It's like you had... No, there's a cause to be frustrated for sure. Yeah. So it's not like the gameplay looks horrible. No. Um, yeah. It's not like, you know... It actually looks pretty fun. We talked about this after too. And I think you also came to the point of uh, kind of easing into it a little more. Yeah. Or just kind of like liking a little more of the stuff. I understand that it's um, like it's different because they're going for something different. It's not... Yeah. Like I... I you know, I'm still not a fan of advanced mobility and sprint, but if you have an open world game, you're probably going to want sprint sure. at some point. Um, and yeah, as as somebody who 
doesn't know like is not prior to any of the gameplay stuff mm-hmm. that's something that kind of maybe this is just me personally but i'll you know speaking from a personal place that's a feature that kind of hooks me into this this new title that would the idea that it's open world that you have uh more movement mechanics kind of a diverse range of weapons like you were saying also um yeah that all that kind of seems cool to me and i got called out from one of my buddies good friend of mine who said Sid, how are you going to talk trash about Halo? Because I said something like, COD's better than Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, how are you going to talk trash about Halo if you haven't played any of the games? So for that reason, I think I'm going to have to dive into the Master Chief Collection uh, through the Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I think I'm going to grind up Halo. Co-op. Big co-op soon, yeah. I'll, I'll play Halo with... and Lord of the Rings are the are the two, uh, two big titles steps. I'm going to introduce. Yeah. Two big steps into, into the big nerd culture that I'm going to dive into. No, seriously. So, yeah. like, Let me guide you through the campaign like for like, sure yeah yeah I, is I, the campaign also co-op like you can play yeah. with friends or is yep, it you can oh, play cool. co-op yeah it's fantastic it's it's nice. what me it's like my childhood memory was you know playing the game me and my brother would each play the game on heroic individually and then we do the hardest difficulty legendary co-op and like yo there's some there's some strats in legendary co-op like hey man can you just kill me real quick so i can get more ammo and yeah. <laughs> just shit, shit like that and if you get stuck by a sticky grenade you run into a crowd and it's fucking it's fantastic some of my favorite memories ever yeah no that seems fun and have you gotten the game pass yet no i, I haven't gotten yet. the game pass yet i'm probably gonna wait till halo comes out before i get the game till, pass. yeah yeah it's it's a friggin' good deal man like i i'm i just want to try it just because it's like the first month is a dollar so like why not anyways mm-hmm. um try the halos out and you know like see where it goes from there so i think that's the biggest um like kind of eye-catching thing through that whole xbox thing but um how about this week what have you been doing this week any new shows any movies uh rewatched rick and morty last season still funny oh um, yeah i still haven't gone around to that yet fuck i'll send you some links um some totally legal links um no, I've just been playing. Oh yeah, so inst- I I got through platinum, and now I started through Soul Silver, and I'm on the eighth gym within a couple days. So, been flying through that. Um, I think I'm gonna go through the rest of those DS era Pokemon games. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. I really do think they are that sweet spot, that golden era within those games. Um, and I only really got to gather a small appreciation for them um there's sort of been like a cult following happening around black and white which was like sort of this redheaded stepchild of the pokemon community because they opted to have none of the old pokemon return like they're still available through trading but like the region you were in everything was new there was no returning pokemon like the past two games had so um People kind of just shoved it off and they didn't really get into it. But like when it had time to breathe, it sort of, you know, gained this cult following. And now it's like recognized as the best narrative within a Pokemon game ever. Um, so I've been really wanted to check that out. Um, and I heard the music's really good in that, in that series as mm. well. So. That's cool. I'm looking at the Pokemon uh, Game Boy Advanced uh, cartridges on eBay. How much those are going for not not as much as I was actually thinking. Like some are ridiculous, like in the hundred fifty, two hundred dollar range. Some are like fifty bucks, twenty bucks. So 
people are still playing these games and like yeah that makes sense to me oh yeah no like you um, should um like speedrunners and like that's yeah. the, that's the thing about like pokemon games like they allow um certain um challenges so like speedrunners um i i watched one video and some guy tried to do the entirety of pokemon platinum without taking a single hit of damage which was insane and he did it and mm, like wow like that's what i get back to like the sandbox within games like when you have like an ever set of sandbox you can sort of play around within that and like find cool shit to do so like just that's just one example like he also oh, what else did he do oh i don't remember like he does he does a lot of those challenges um there's a there's a bunch of those and i'm actually gearing up like i'm gonna play through these games and, I, and then i'm gonna choose one to do a nuzlocke are you familiar with a nuzlocke challenge no okay. i'm not what's that please explain so in the early days of the internet when pokemon emerald was vibrant uh, on the Game Boy Advance, a certain blog um, posted a comic series called the Nuzlocke. Um, it's called a Nuzlocke because this person caught a Nuzleaf and he thought it looked like a character named Locke, so he called it Locke. Um, a Nuzlocke challenge is a set of self-imposed rules put onto a Pokemon game to make it more challenging. So, you're only allowed to catch the first Pokemon you encounter on each route. And uh, if a Pokemon faints, it doesn't faint. It dies. And you have to release that Pokemon. So, Nuzlocke, there's actually room for you to fail. To lose the game. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I've Sounds ins- like a really frustrating way to play. Yes, <laughs> entirely. Um, oh, and you have to nickname every single Pokemon you catch, so you gain some sort of attachment to them, right? Mm. And while doing that, and this is why, like, I think it's kind of relevant to hear it because we're fascinated by narratives. While doing that, like, you you sort of develop these own narratives, and then Nuzlocke comics became very popular online. Um, Were these all fan made? Just. Um- not published, kind of just yep. fan post type thing? Just fan posts oh, cool. where people would um, do a Nuzlocke challenge and then like they sort of would create these narratives because of the self-imposed rules. Yeah. And like you would have like character arcs and and whatnot. And, you know, it's a really, you know, interesting way in which narratives were born. And... Um, I'll send you a, a video afterwards of like a um, a YouTube channel that does animations and they animated their Nuzlocke adventure and it's actually a, it's you'll you'll see if you watch through it um, how narratives form and how they sort of made these own narratives and it really added tension and it added um, engagement into the game further so um, mm, more of a role playing element. Yeah, involved exactly like fantasy, like Dungeons and Dragons kind of role playing. Exactly, exactly. That's so cool. um, that's a cool thing with like video games. Honestly, is people and like the ones that kind of stick in the heads of people and like they come up with their own fantasy and fan oriented stories around stuff that continues the life. Like that stuff is cool. Like this game, how old is Pokemon Emerald? You're talking about Emerald, right? Emerald it must be yeah. over twenty years old at this point. Oh, not Emerald, no. Um close though 
um, Pokemon Emerald came out in 2004. So. Oh, okay. So about 16 years old. So, yeah, not. Almost, yeah. Not young. It's not a young game by any means. But um, people are still playing these. And that's because there is just that replayability because you can go back and. You know, every time you go back, things are different. You know, circumstances are different. Your encounter rates are different. Your, you know, there's certain things that you can choose to do that change the game entirely. And that's where that RPG element really comes through is that you can sort of decide what you want to do. And um, certain play styles come out. And, you know, so it's, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know which one I'm going to choose yet. That's why I'm playing through all of them. Um, it'll probably be platinum, although I'm scared because it's still the hardest one, but, um, we shall see and I'll keep you updated. Yeah. Sam, I'm interested in seeing that. Um, what was that thing called again? The fan stuff? Uh, Nuzlocke comics. Nuzlocke comics. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to look into that. I've been, uh, I've been just binge watching Netflix this week for the most part. A couple new shows have been released. Uh, one actually that would probably just get you excited if if i know you well um so are you, are you a fan of transformers Ooh, okay that's a loaded question <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i was gonna step into a pit here um not 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 the michael bay movies just in general i don't mind the first the, michael the bay movie but that's that's more of a no that's a different conversation michael bay conversation yeah. is a different episode um i was obs- like the og like not the og yeah. but i was obsessed with our era Okay, Transformers Energon, Transformers Armada, like yeah. that, those type of cartoons. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. was I ever obsessed? Oh, the best, the best toys came out of that era, I think, and oh, great shows. Yeah. Um, I had, I remember vividly all the ones I had. I had what was the fucking planet Transformer guy? Uh, Unicron. Yeah, I was had it. it I had a Unicron. I had. Yeah. I had oh, Mega fuck. Starscream, you know, when Starscream, during, I don't know what series it was, but when Starscream was, like, absolutely fucking massive, he was... Um, Mega Starscream. I think it was Mega Starscream. But, like, I remember vividly a lot of the Transformers that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Mega Starstream. He's fucking massive. Anyways. Um, yeah, well, they brought it back. They brought Transformers back in cartoon form on Netflix um in a new series that like yeah like i i didn't see a trailer for it i remember hearing a while ago i think like early last year that netflix was developing some sort of a new transformers animated series or or animated uh product i i thought it was a movie at first um but no it's so they're coming out with not coming out they came out with basically the first installment of a trilogy uh series i guess show um surrounded at like the basically inspired by the G1 era set in the War of Cybertron kind of period. Mm-hmm. So it's like all the classic G1 designs of the Transformers, Optimus, Megatron, Bumblebee. Um, and it's like, I don't know if you ever played the War for Cybertron games, but it's like literally set in in that kind of period in the G1 period when they're like, the Autobots are fighting the Decepticons. And like, I was so surprised, like, watching this. This gets into so much more Transformer stuff than I think any other show has gotten into. Like, the lore of the Transformers, of Cybertron, the conflict. Like, you should check it out because it honestly surprised me how well made 
Um, I've just seen the first couple episodes. I think up, up to episode three right now. But I think if you're a fan of the show, it's definitely worth checking out. What? What's it called? The War for Cybertron? No, wait. Yeah. War for Cybertron. War for Cybertron. That's a TV series. Yeah, on Netflix. Type War for Cybertron trilogy, and like I think the first one's called Siege. Holy shit, 100% are rotten. Oh shit, eh? It's on 100% already, so there you go. Yeah, like oh, no wow. joke, this is like... It's it's like a really well written show. It it doesn't take the Transformers as these cartoon characters. It really develops like dimensional characters, which is like really kind of interesting to see in Transformers. They have personalities. They all have kind of characteristics that layer on top of each other. Um, so like the first episode, you're kind of introduced into the conflict between the Autobots and Decepticons and. Like, I think the first character you see is maybe Bumblebee, or, or you're definitely introduced to Bumblebee first. And he's not even an Autobot yet. Like, he's just kind of like a scavenger robot who is uh, unaffiliated with any side and basically trying to survive on Cybertron. And, you like, he talks. He's not like the Bumblebee from the movies. And uh, like, no, he doesn't classic. even want to join the war. So it's like, it's an origin story for these Transformers while being, like, kind of mature and gritty. Like, it's really surprised me how well how well they made this show. Um, this art style can't talk is about fantastic. The art style, it's crazy. The the art, it looks amazing. It it's uh what heavily kind of inspired by G one. Is it like three D animation? What, it's three D animation. Yeah, it's three D animation. Um, I don't know. It and it's like really obviously animated, but like all the robots have like the texture of rusty metal. Like there's such a like a, a tactileness to to the to the show like a tactile kind of quality like it, it doesn't seem uh animated it seems gritty it seems like it seems anime style truly honestly no yeah that's what i just um, i'm watching the the promotional video for it right now this is not a yeah. kid show man no it's it really isn't and they advertise it as like tv for kids i think like ages seven and up can watch it but man like the transformers are swearing in this they it's a mature transformers don't get me wrong like it's it's like how you know, we grew up watching the last Airbender shows like that, that kind of had, they were for kids, but they were really clearly kind of telling mature stories or more layered stories. Like it, it's something like they're trying to do that. It has a lot of depth. It has a lot of kind of interesting character dynamics. So I'll just, I'll just get into a little bit kind of like what I'm noticing so far. So, you know, we all know kind of, you know, Transformers, the Autobots are in conflict with the Decepticons. We know that uh, Optimus Prime is the leader of the Autobots. He leads them. And Megatron's leader, Decepticons, and they clash. And I think they're brothers. Um, and in this show, it's like, okay, the Decepticons are this fascist regime that are like, they want revenge on the Autobots because they were slaved. The Decepticons were all slaved. And so now they want equal, not equal rights. They just want to take over. But Megatron is like, he's not even this all out kind of fascist leader like he's somewhat conflicted on how what kind of leader he wants to be which is new and really interesting and it gives megatron like this next level kind of like emotionality like i don't even know how to put it but he it's like this guy is either going to tilt to hitler or not become hitler and he's like on the fence of what kind of leader he wants to be and optimus is similarly similarly trying to find out what kind of leader he is so it's like it's really the origin story for these characters, which is I find super cool. 
Yeah, and you're. I can tell. I can see your reaction. Right? You're probably watching it now, thinking, "This shit looks sick, huh?" Oh my god, yeah. No, no, I'm definitely in. I gotta, I gotta watch this ASAP. Mm-hmm. I was just reading some of the comments, top comments. They're pretty funny. Finally, no sweaty teenagers running around taking up screen time. It's all yeah. It's there's all no robots. It's all robot action. It's it's all robot glory, and it it like showed you like you don't even need humans in this show to make these guys interesting. Like it's truly crazy like i i respect the writers for really taking something like transformers seriously you know um like you'll see it you'll watch the first episode and think like this isn't a transformers that i've seen yet we actually think and break down the subject matter of like what came before like i've gone back and i've watched the cartoon that my fucking dad grew up with and like um it's like they kind of just skip over the war for cybertron thing and they and they yeah that's it's, it, almost it starts on Earth and it's like when you actually yeah. go through the show and you start to learn little insights about the war of Cybertron it's like okay well this is definitely like a pretty mature thing to handle is like a a war that destroyed a planet and divided a species and set them scattering yeah. across the universe like it's like when you actually break that's it down to something like that that's something that's never I think been fully explored until now. Which is cool because, like, I've never thought of Transformers having this really rich lore. You know, like, it does have a lore. It does have kind of that. It's almost like before uh, the prequel trilogy came out for Star Wars and, like, the Clone Wars were mentioned in in A New Hope. And then everybody lost their minds. Like, what the fuck are the Clone Wars? Like, let's find, like, give us some thing about that. Um, This is pretty much that. You know, this is, like, the prequel era Transformers. This is kind of like a PG-13 even though it's not rated PG-13 but it's like a really kind of like not pulling its punches just kind of really going for the mature audience like they know it's guys like us you know it's not necessarily new kids getting into this stuff maybe they are but for people like us that grew up on the classic cartoons and they were kiddish you know they were fun this is something that's like you know those stories now here's the origin here's the the stuff you didn't know here's stuff about like the relationship between Megatron, Optimus, Ultra Magnus. Like, it's so cool talking about this stuff because it, it really gets into, like, the richness of Cybertron and, and, like, the history of the war and why are these guys fighting and, like, the ideologies of the Autobots and Decepticons. And, like, immediately, for, immediately from episode, I think, one onwards, it, like, it gives you all of that. It shows you it's not just black and white, good versus bad, like, that we've kind of been getting throughout other transformers uh content it's like showing you the kind of murkiness of war Mm -hmm. and like you kind of you you hit on it like the aspect of destroying a planet you know it's destroying your home gets destroyed and your whole people are scattered and kind of broken and on the verge of extinction and all of that is kind of processed through these characters and like you know like they're all contemplating like is this are we doing the right thing by exterminating a race and you know, some some are for it. Some are like, no, you got to be this kind of leader, Megatron, bro. Like, no holds barred type of shit. They did this to us. We got to do it back to them. So you're getting these kind of things that you haven't seen before, you know? Yeah. It's really so cool, cool seeing seemingless, like, just innocent good versus evil stories sort of develop um, through added material over time. It's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with a good, just classic good versus evil storyline but if like if that if it's good enough to persist and you can sort of delve into that deeper as um extra material especially within star wars has um 
i.e. Mm-hmm. Knights of the Old Republic, where it really deconstructs both the philosophies of Jedi and Sith to where how they were presented in the OT, you know, as, mm-hmm. you know, good wizards, bad wizards. A very black and white kind of way of looking at it. Right, which isn't... And I think that's just like... Good or yeah, bad. Sorry, it isn't good or bad. It's just the way the narrative plays out. And I think it's... No, a yeah. Whole, I think it's totally, you know... I think that's totally fine. I think that's, you know, it wasn't, it didn't try to reinvent the wheel when it comes to narrative. No, but you almost need that kind of step. I think we're just in a step of getting more depth in in stories in general. So, you know, like we got a Star Wars and that kind of visualized in a really kind of thematic storytelling kind of way. This is good. This is bad. And then you start questioning those things a little more, like as generations go on, as life goes on and, you know, you go through wars and yeah whatever and and people are like you know what there might be more to this there might be a little more shades of gray in in this kind of stuff and i think storytelling now when it comes to like either video games movies tv shows music even like there's just a more kind of sensibility towards the murkiness you know it's nothing is as clear as we want it to be Mm -hmm. there's a lot of especially in war or in in conflict and human conflict there's It's never that simple. I'd argue you need that base, though. You know how the OT was like good and evil. Original yeah. Transformers was like just good and evil. Like, I think you need that strong base of a classic no, I agree. good and evil story. Mm-hmm. And if it's a strong enough narrative where you have good enough characters to where your your attachment can persist over time and, you know, you can branch off into multiple stories, that's when you can start deconstructing the original ideals that yep. the base that material set up presented. the foundation. Right. Yeah. So when you yeah. get into the and actual, right. like, KOTOR um, or Knights of the Old Republic where it starts to like we actually get to experience like the philosophy of the Sith of like yeah. you know, maybe the Sith they had some they had a point and you know the Jedi really were kind yeah. of like they're both dickheads really right and then it the coolest thing about um, Knights of the Old Republic is like when you start talking to like normal people they're like what Jedi Sith what those fucking crazy fuckers who gives yeah. a shit about yeah. them let them kill each other like we're just kind of trying to live our lives those crazy assholes that's are something just... i really want to see in the movies is just somebody like give the finger to a jedi like you get take your religion and get the fuck off my transport ship yeah. right just let me smuggle my spice and you know that's what i want to see in star wars somebody just flipping off a jedi right um and then there's another <laughs> thing it's like some guy goes like the jedi war and he's like then your character can, can tell them like wait jedi war it was like jedi versus sith and he's like i don't give a shit same yeah. thing to me and it really like so like when you have that strong base material and you're able to like revisit it and um you know if it's strong enough to, to deconstruct it like, like you can get those great yeah. moments um and I, I no, i agree though you need that base you need an established um kind of a foundation which like you know star wars gives you through the philosophy of the jedi and the sith it's like okay here's the sith they're not just bad because they have red lightsabers Here's what they, you know, here's what they believe in. And as, you know, it's like, okay, the prequels gave us that after the OT. We just get the really basic, the Emperor is the Sith Lord. Luke Skywalker is, you know, the next Jedi up, the last Jedi, whatever. uh, And he's got to stop him. And then in the prequels you get, okay, well, here's a whole roster of Jedis in their prime. This is like who they were in their prime. This is the kind of high class, all, you know, uppity really um sitting arrogant in, in, I guess, in, right? in, sitting in an ivory tower sitting literally yeah literally sitting like in a in, in a throne room up top in the skies type of thing and like sitting in their own arrogance right while the sith are plotting and and through the prequels you get you get a 
the kind of perspective that George wants you to think all along. Maybe what he had in mind the whole time. That's like, you know, Palpatine says it, I think, in episode three where he's like, good is only a point of view, um, right? Something like that where he's like, well, you know, the Jedi's point of view of good is from a from a point of view of selflessness, where the Sith are a point of view from selfishness. Yeah. Um, but who's to say what is right, right? Like, who's to say how somebody goes about... And, like, that's the whole point of Star Wars. It's like, you know, you can... There's no polar region. You can either be fully selfless like the Jedi and fall like they did, or you can be fully selfish like the Sith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, at the end of the day, both empires collapse. Um, I feel like we're almost like jumping to our episode nine discussion, kind of like encapsulating the Star Wars franchise there. But no, yeah, it's it's beautiful storytelling. I'm, I'm really excited to get into our Star Wars discussion. Um, there's one more thing I want to talk about, though, in yeah. our catch up. Okay. There's a, another show I watched this week um, called The Umbrella Academy. Have you okay. heard of that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's, wait, um, no, I have So has. it's like another. I don't, I don't know anything about it, but I've heard it. Sorry. Yeah, it's. I know you've seen The Boys, so you might be into this too. It's a Netflix show, so kind of competing with The Boys. Um, really different style of superhero, the modern day superhero kind of story, I guess. So, like, I guess the whole, you know, the trend of superhero stories just kind of continues on. But I like where they're now picking up source, new kind of source materials. Um, so, Umbrella Academy is based off a series of graphic novels. Um, that have no connection to Marvel or DC that are just like their own kind of superhero novels, but similar to the boys, I think similar to stories like that, kind of a more mature grounded take, like where would these kind of people be in the world today? Um, And so the second season just came out on Netflix this week. Um, I watched the first season last year and I thought it was good. It was, I didn't like it as much as the boys. I still enjoyed it, but you know, like the boys had this sense of like, uh, just like hardcoreness, I think, like just like no holds barred action and no gives a fuck moments. Um, right. It doesn't really take itself like, despite the serious subject matter, it doesn't really take itself seriously. Um, other than like some ideal scenes that like really, you know, that's where a lot of impact comes from is because it's not so serious all the times so when those serious moments do come, that's when the boys yeah. really hit. But like, it's, are you saying like the umbrella Academy isn't like as whimsical as adventure as, it's like it's it's almost like where where that has the boys has that whimsical kind of we're running away from the law kind of a thing Mm -hmm. right uh umbrella academy is it's almost similar but it's more like i don't want to say family oriented but it's like lighter it's lighter hearted it's more colorful it's more poppy it's like it looks more like 60s inspired kind of that era of uh comic books i think um, I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, maybe seventies, but, um, anyways, so I'll just give kind of like my brief thoughts on the second season. Cause I think the second season, like beyond top the first season in the sense that it, when a show can have a PG 13 rating, um, and when a show is, you know, like in the climate of the world today with like political correctness and there's a lot of kind of like these tentpole shows or movies that fit in a box of like culture if that makes sense like this is what the cultural ideals are and here we're going to present them to you Mm -hmm. uh in a really kind of packaged pretty way at first i thought this show was going to be that like society's way of telling us what we're doing right and wrong but this show is like it's 
so much like bigger than that in the sense that it wants you to think like we're the we're the average superhero show we're we're we're, we're going to really like stay kind of on the PG side of PG13 we're not going to give you the action that you know you get from the boys and other superhero stuff but like holy fuck this show does not pull its punches um so uh, just a quick synopsis cuz you don't know the story it's about these orphan no so these basically these kids are the, i think a group of 6 or 7 of them are all born on the same day in the same time, the same year, in the same moment. And some rich guy adopts them all. And they all have, like, powers, essentially. So that's why he adopts them and he creates this Umbrella Academy. And adopts them as his kids and trains them to be a league of superheroes. Right? And in the first season, we find out one of the siblings, quote-unquote, didn't, like, think she had powers or was told she didn't have powers. So grew up, like, a really, uh, like, depressed kind of sad excluded person from her family and the whole show is about like abuse and kind of trauma and family trauma and shit like that so it has these really mature themes um and i won't spoil what happens in the first season but they end up having a time travel back to the 60s right so i'm kind of jumping all over the place but the show has a lot of the second season has a lot of uh threads that just like a guy like me is kind of into so it has this whole plot line kind of the central plot line in the second season it surrounds the jfk assassination and the whole kind of conspiracy around that oh shit and it, like it really gets in it like don't the kind of rogan the 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 kind of like um the lie that is told right so it's like okay yeah, jfk is assassinated but the basically um fuck how should i say this without trying to spoil it because i really want you to see this okay then just just um, let me see it don't don't uh yeah no i i Basically, we'll, we'll try and catch up with the, on this topic another time because I don't want to spoil the the first episode. The the first opening of uh, the opening of season two is like, just watch that and you'll get every kind of thing that the show is trying to give you. Um, basically, in this in the first episode of the second season, uh, they mission accomplished from the last episode of the first season. It's mission accomplished, and they had to time travel, um, to basically save the world. So they had to time travel to some period in the past. But that time travel fucked up and they all ended up in the 1960s in Dallas, Texas, but in different points of the 1960s. So they're all separated and, you know, they're coming from modern times. So now they're basically aliens in this new world. And you get this really slick kind of montage of them all arriving in, in Dallas, Texas, 1960s, the you know, the south of America at the time. And, you know, like people are looking at them weird and they're like, it's all edited to this like really like upbeat kind of 60s music and it basically gets to a point where um each person is kind of put in this position where they're like holy fuck like we're we're, we're fucked now like we don't have our siblings we're powerless uh they're lost and like this is all been the first couple minutes and the part where it really hooked me is like one of the siblings in the show one of the team members she's black and so she t lands up in dallas texas 1960s and like she walks out of this alleyway and everybody around her is like white, right? Looking at her like, who the fuck is this? She walks into a whites only restaurant and like the camera's like panning around her, just watching everybody's like face explode with like, what the fuck is a black person doing in front of me? Like, it's so like, I don't want to like use terminology that's out there, but it's kind of visceral. Like, it's kind of like, holy shit, like this show is going to, 
get like take us to a place where we're, we're seeing a modern day black person having to interact and live in this world and like what is that going to be so like the whole season is it's like these kind of separated storylines of people in the past stuck in the past and having to kind of go through that and having to reconnect and then there's like this mission with the jfk assassination so i don't want to give you the whole plot but you know there's all these threads that i think you'll like these like you know the sci-fi kind of thing of time travel um of the conspiracy thing of the jfk assassination like there's just all these really cool elements um but yeah if people have seen it like let, let us know your thoughts i I think the season was much better than the first season. Hey everyone, Cheney here. Thanks for listening this far. Um, if you'd like to catch us on the next episode, we're talking about The Phantom Menace as our first in a series of looking at the Star Wars movies. So um, thanks for listening to this one and pop on to the next one.